Welcome back to The Flip Side. Galen Clavio here along with Brian Moritz. Brian, it is a pleasure to be with you once again. It, uh, it's uh, it's summer fully now. We're fully into uh, into the swing of things, and we're back on our normal Monday night recording slot, which I know has to make you happy somewhere inside. It does. It, it, that, 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 that return to stability, which I think our listeners are craving too. It's, it's just nice... A nice warm feeling. Although now I am recording today upstairs in the house, as opposed to my usual spot in our laundry room. Um, you you folks can't see Brian and and or me for that matter, but we can see each other because this is unique. Like most of the time when I record podcasts via Skype, I record with no video. And Brian is the first person I've ever recorded podcasts with who prefers video, which. Maybe creepy. I'm not sure, but uh, but probably not. But uh, but it's cool because I it, it's it allows for a lot better reaction. But it also allows me. I feel like I've been in Brian's house before, mm-hmm. simply because I've seen like four rooms. I think at this point, <laughs> at least I, four. I, I, and I just like to say that probably not creepy is really the nicest thing that's been said about me in a very long time. So I appreciate that. Um, it really, the, the, it just warms the heart. It's very very nice. Um, but uh, it is technically summer here, although we've had a nice fall stretch, fall esque stretch here. It's uh, June. How can you have a fall stretch? We're like in like mid sixties today, and like the last couple of days in sweatshirts. We had like one day where it shot up to eighty five, and it felt like summer, and then the next day, right back down. So, um, and, well, I mean, global warming's clearly a myth. We've had three cold days in June, so we can move on <laughs> and uh, and you know really solve the problems that we need to solve. So, so uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I'm going. This basic. is, by the way, apparently. I, okay, I thought Matt Zimmerman listened to every one of our shows all the way through, but right. this was his question to us in our, you know, ask the podcast a question, right. which I don't know if he's being really meta. I think with this. so. Yeah, you think I, he has to be being meta with this because yeah. you couldn't be a regular listener and ask that question. But right. anyway, so, go ahead. So, so his question is, what are you? What are we drinking? Um, and as you know, we always we don't need an invitation to spend time talking about what we're drinking tonight. But tonight, I'm going really basic. I've got the Sam Adams Boston Lager. Hmm. Just your very very the the like uh, the house the, the the house beer, so so to speak, for Sam Adams, not the fancy one, just the straight regular lager. And I, I haven't had it in a long time, and I picked it up today and forgot how solid a beer it is. It's really good, good flavor, and like we've talked about many times, a nice kind of. Uh, I think it's a real the gateway for a lot of people into yeah. the world of craft beer. Yeah, Sam Adams, as we've mentioned, is they're kind of like I'm trying to think of a, of the best band example, but like you know they're 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 cool, right? But they're because they've become ubiquitous. They they lose street cred, right? Um, right. You know, so yeah, I'm with you. I I, I haven't had a, a Boston Lager from Sam Adams in a while, but uh, I've, I'm never afraid to order it. It's just there's normally a, a different option that I would prefer. Yeah. So so on the band before we get to your beer, would would like a Pearl Jam be of a level here because they've been around for a while? It, well, they're mainstream, per- but they're yeah. still like like, like <laughs> is that the level we're talking about here? That's the first band that comes to mind here. Here's the thing, Pearl Jam. Um, there. I guess I would look at it like this: Pearl Jam doesn't seem to want to be the most popular band in the world. Like they've, okay. like you get yep. past, you get past Vitology, and it's maybe even with Vitology, it's like they were taking active steps to sabotage their popularity. Uh, like they didn't want to become U two, right? Um, because they were uncomfortable with the level of stardom. Uh, Sam Adams has never had any such hesitations. Like they've, they've, uh, I think unflinchingly gone for like the, the cool craft beer, like the mass produced craft beer right. in the U S. Um, that's not a bad comparison. I'm just, I'm, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, there aren't a whole lot of people who look at Pearl Jam are like, Oh, Pearl Jam. How could you like them? You know, right. and, and yeah. I feel like you do get that to some degree with with sam adams it's all it's, right uh, so I'm, I'm gonna have to ponder that a little bit more it's yeah a good, it's a good question but so, i i don't i don't have a good answer for you right yeah now. so 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 while we ponder and after you congratulated yourself on your question um what is your <laughs> beer that you're drinking tonight so you've heard of the not your father's series right sure. 
Uh, so, you know, the not your father's root beer. So trying something different. And I actually have not tasted this yet. I just cracked it open right. prior to starting recording. But this is the uh, the not your father's ginger ale. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen it. And um, I haven't had it yet. And my my local brewer, uh, my local brewer, hell, my local <laughs> liquor store, the Big Red Liquors, I had a bunch of singles for sale. Nice. And I saw this and I was like, well, I'm going to pick this up and see what it's like. So I've never actually taken a taste of this. We're going to actually have a live tasting of Not Your Father's Ginger Ale on the flip side. I love so, it. Let's let's do it. Let's let's do it. Straight out of the box. So. All right. F- fake drum roll. Well. Hmm. All right. He's thinking. Um, I would say not really ginger ale. Okay. Um, it's 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 got a, a my wife is a huge ginger ale fan. It's actually the reason I got it. Okay. Um uh she I got a big big shaking of the head no after she took a swig. Uh <laughs> her, her her comment was it tastes like flowers. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> let, let, as in like daisies or as, yes, as, as, as not like flower, not like okay. gold medal or something okay. like that. But no, it does. It, uh, well, she's now she's doing the whole like waving her hand in front of her face and like <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah. Um it's not a great tasting beer. I'm gonna say, it's it says best served chilled or poured in a glass over ice. Um, it's chilled. I can guarantee that. I'm gonna try another swig. Now, right. Granted, I've been having strawberries so that uh, beforehand, okay. so that might be affecting the palate a bit. But, but usually, but, ginger ale and strawberries they kind of they kind of work with each other. Yeah. So this tastes. I gotta be honest. It's it's like. I don't know what supermarkets you have up in the Northeast, but I know like here we uh, we don't have it here in this area anymore. But we used to have Jewel Osco, which uh, that's like a Chicago area brand, uh, store brand, and they used to sell okay. gen- like generic soda. I don't know if your your local mm-hmm. supermarkets sell like the generic sure. soda. Um, this tastes like one of those generic soda derivatives. Like, okay, um, it's like got a flavors of illegitimate origin. And it's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not like awful. It's like if you bought like an off brand soda and you drank it and it said ginger ale and yet it had a strangely floral complexion to the flavor. That's kind of what we're dealing with, with this. It's nowhere near as, as good or authentic as the, the not your father's root beer. I will say that. I was going to say the root beer I'm a big fan of, like the root beer is, is, Excellent. And when I started seeing, like, I've seen the ginger ale. I think I've seen like a not your father. It might either not your father's or Coney Island or another one of those brands that are doing these these types of these types of. I don't even even know if they're actually beers, but like, there's a cherry cola out there. And I'm just wondering, like, the root beers were so good that I'm wondering if we're gonna hit like a weird kind of saturation where they're like trying all these types of sodas and not your father's, blah blah blah. And you know, it it, it just kind of. It, it, it seems like a market kind of ripe for uh, abuse and oversaturation, really. Like, all of a sudden, they start flooding the market with all these different things, and it doesn't, none of them really work as well as the original. So. Yeah, well, you know, and, and there's new ones coming out. So, um, Tilly uh, from Bloomington, who's actually a, a regular on the Dan Patrick show, or was at one point, like calling in, but he's one of our local beer distributors and a friend of mine, and he. He posts on his Facebook page all the time different types of beers that are coming out in the area. Like we just got like Ballast Point here, which is awesome. Yes. But uh, he posted this thing last week where it's like the beer version of Mountain Dew and the beer version of Dr. Pepper are now okay. things. And I forget where what where they're from exactly. But um, – but uh, th- these are becoming newer and newer things, and it's it's interesting. I-, I can't tell if this is a good or a bad sign for the craft beer industry that we're starting to get uh, brewers that are specifically pursuing flavors that are already existent in the soft in the soft drink market. You know, right? My, my right. wife, by the way, is still fanning herself. It's like she's got the vapors. I mean, luckily, she was <laughs> on the equivalent of a fainting couch already, so it's it's. Uh, it's a it's a good thing, but um, I'm yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So, so so this is a this is not a good thing. I should be buying the, the not your father's ginger. Beer. I would avoid this. I, well, okay. I don't I don't mind it as much as she obviously minds it. But she also is a, like a big ginger ale fan. Like if like like one of those where if she was sentenced to live in a pit, 
for 20 years and she was allowed like one thing to take into the pit for 20 years, it would probably be a 20 year supply of ginger ale. Okay. She have a brand. Uh, what, what's her brand? You, what's your of... brand of ginger ale, dear? She's a big Canada dry fan. Uh, Very nice. not, a, not, a, not as big with Schweppes. Not, that doesn't okay. register with her. Um, so Werner's yeah. on her radar at all. Werner's at all. She had not really had Verner's is not. I, I've seen Verner's occasionally, but it's not as popular in the stores down here. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So we we have some. We have a couple topics we had in mind for us that that we bounced around earlier today, and we have a lot of interesting questions and topics uh, from people on Facebook and on Twitter. As always, you can hit us up with a topic at uh, hashtag FlipsidePod or catch one of us. Usually on Facebook the night we record. And uh, give us a topic guaranteed to talk about it for at least one minute. Um, we should probably hit uh, my good pal Steve Gatine because th- what's funny about this is so the call I put out was give us a topic to t- take our minds off of things, and we'll talk about it for at least one minute. We're recording this uh, on June thirteenth, which is one day after the a day and a half, I guess, after the Orlando massacre mm-hmm. and, and, and the shooting at at the club there. And uh, we thought about addressing it. We didn't know how we were going to do it. And then my pal Steve suggests that we talk about guns. Um, now, I think we can take this into a lot of different areas that don't necessarily get into the realm of political. But, you know, it is the elephant in the room, I guess, uh, dominating media discussion, dominating the news and everything really today. So any uh, any thoughts you had, not obviously um, – not on maybe the tragedy itself, but kind of seeing how the story and the reactions have unfolded over the past now 36 hours. Wow. Um, well, my thoughts on how it's unfolded are pretty much predictable, mm-hmm. I think, in as much as maybe I just follow the wrong people on social media, but it has been a, a land grab of sorts for people trying to um, insert their own political or cultural interests into their news gathering and news dissemination or their commentary on things, mm-hmm. um, which is, it seems to be the, the, the knee jerk reaction in a lot of these things. I mean, I feel like there have been very few instances over the last f- several years where we haven't had that happen immediately. And I think social media tends to feed that because social media, the way that most people have their feeds set up, is kind of an automatic um, rally point for people of similar uh, political or cultural beliefs. It's an echo chamber in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my my, my philosophy on, on how I've been looking at all of this has been, you know, I've, I've really... I, I haven't had much to say on it because I believe that we still don't know everything that went down and we still don't really understand what happened. And, you know, jumping into conclusions about what this is really about uh, are somewhat pointless, you know, Mm -hmm. And and I'm starting to see a lot of people saying, well, you know, I think after a day we can definitively say that we need to be focusing on the fact that this was, you know, an anti LGBT uh, event or mm-hmm. we you know we need to be focusing on this as you know something where we're, we absolutely need to talk about gun control or you know i mean uh or whatever whatever the particular topic happens to be and it's like I, I feel like one of the problems that we're running into in terms of these sorts of incidents is that um we always criticized television news for taking complex issues and trying to boil them down to something that would fit onto a teleprompter in 30 seconds, you know, right. something that would boil things down to base elements. And mm-hmm. this is not a base element event. Um, this is, this is a complicated event and there's a lot of elements at play and, you know, we're more, more keeps coming out. It seems like every three or four hours now about this, who this guy was, mm-hmm. the fa- you know, you know, he, he apparently they made multiple trips to this particular bar casing it out he made trips to other places casing them out um and you know and i feel like in in the rush to jump on the same bandwagons that have been utilized in past incidents 
a lot of people aren't taking the time to evaluate this particular incident and say, oh, this really should lead to this, or this really should lead to this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I was, uh, as I was watching the story unfold and, and kind of following it, I, 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 you kind of alluded to this and like what it becomes about. Like, obviously, gun control is obviously whenever there's a mass shooting, it's going to be talked about. You have the LGBT, LGBTQ um, portion of this uh, of the story. You have the you know air quotes around radical Islam uh, portion of this story, and you know part of it is you know I I I, I think that. You know, I've seen a couple people tweet about this, and again, I probably follow, you know I probably have a similar problem you do. You know, you follow tend to follow kind of similar people in terms of attitude, worldview, station in life as you are. You know, I don't follow many NRA gun supporters on my on my list. I just don't. You know, that we we, we tend to inhabit different social spheres, and that's fine. Um, and so I'm I I I have a very steady stream of one side of this. And, and, and it does strike me as always interesting as how we want – it does seem we as media consumers, media producers, and, and combine those roles, want to uh, distill this down into what – the you know, kind of a what this is about and like what topic is this is about. And it can be about a lot of things and all of these things are interconnected. Um, you, can, you know, can you separate the LGBT from the – uh, from the from this guy's religious worldview, from the fact from any kind of gun control, you know, if those are like three points of the triangle, can you separate any one of those out and say this is the cause of it? Well, I don't think so because they they all inform each other's, and, and I think those you know you can kind of apply that apply it to all of those, and um, you know, it really does kind of come, you know, I. I I always wor- worry about talking about solutions here, not just because it gets political and it gets very people get very angry and start yelling at each other. And like nothing in the history of the world has been solved by people yelling at each other, which is all that's happening in this story too. The Roman uh, Senate would disagree with you, sir. But no, anyway, uh, go the, ahead. The, the Roman <laughs> the Roman Senate also didn't have uh, AR-15s, but um, that's true. I yeah I I I just I do wonder about. Our ability, our, our kind of collective ability to, um, to kind of get to, get, you know, to to fix this because it does feel like something is something's not right, like that this happened, and well, that, you know, and and, and and that it's not a not a random occurrence. And like I said, there are many different points of this triangle that you can pull here, whether. You know, you, you, where you focus on gun control, but you can't deal with you, you. You can't just focus on that and not think about mental health. You can't think about that and not deal about you know any kind of political affiliations and worldviews. And and it, it's complicated. And I think that if it was that if there was a simple solution, we would have done it. I, I'm one of my firm believer, you know, kind of a, a belief I have in a lot of things, which I don't know if is right or wrong, but I tend to think about that. Like if there's an easy answer, the easy answer would have been done. And it, it's not an easy answer for whatever kind of possible, whatever explanation and reason you want to give to that. Right. Well, you know, look, I think, I think again, it's multi-layered. Like I said it, it's so much, so much to say, and so much really not that that's hard to say on, yeah. on, on, on a topic like this. I think we should move on to some of the more important and bigger questions that our that our our listeners and followers have given us for tonight. Um, thank you to everybody who wrote in with some with some good topics. So the first one is Mike. Is it Petri? Petri. Mike Petri. Petri. All yes. right. Um, he uh, responded on Twitter asking, "Better movie, Johnny Dangerously or Top Secret?" I mean, Top Secret just like seems like the logical answer here. Am I am I missing something about Johnny Dangerously that would make uh, okay. it like a superior movie to Top Secret? I gotta say, I've seen neither. Really? Really. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see if these these are streaming anywhere to, to catch up. Um, I'm gonna vote Johnny Jan- Johnny Dangerously because it's got Michael Keaton, and that wins for me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, only going off the IMDb. Yeah, but Top Secret has Val Kilmer. I mean, you know. that's true. That's true. It's a, it, it, it's a close call, but I'm going. So I'm gonna let. Have you seen both of these? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna. Let it's you, been a long time since I saw okay, Johnny Dangerously. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you speak to these because quite literally, what I know is I'm looking at the IMDb page right now for like the second time ever. So, um, yeah. I mean, so yeah, 
you know, I, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like, um, that was a, that was a weird era. Like that early, yeah. early to like early eighties, like 80 to 85 from a movie perspective. Um, you know, for me, part of the issue, I think, is that, um, you know, Johnny Dangerously is, is kind of a period piece to some degree. I mean, yeah. it's it's set in a particular time frame, an earlier time frame. And when, set when in I, the 1930s. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I never really liked those movies that much. I have like okay. a because I felt like in the in the in the 60s and 70s and 80s, mostly the 70s and 80s, because uh, that was like that was when. It's like in the '60s they didn't set many like movies in the old days, uh, mm-hmm. except for westerns. But like in the '70s, and particularly in the '80s, they started like setting movies back in the, the '20s or the '30s. And I always felt that those environments that they tried to portray seemed very unrealistic. Um, and and I think that that might be part of my hesitancy on this one. But a top okay. secret, top secret was I think it was just funny. It was just it was a funny movie. It it. Uh, it didn't. I mean, not to say Johnny Dangerously wasn't. You know, was it didn't have didn't have its its humorous elements as well. I just I tend to to fall more in the top secret category. All right. Well, we, well. I mean, if we're talking realism, the top secret movie poster has Val Kilmer and in a field of cows, some of which are upside down, and it's a parody of a World War II spy movie. Yes. Um, okay. Um, so we're on the same page there. I'm just looking at this cast of Johnny Dangerously, and you got Michael Keaton, Mary Lou Henner, Joe Piscopo, Peter Boyle. Don DeLuise, Danny DeVito, Dick Butkus. I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic '80s movie cast right there. That's um, fair. Th- that although, a, although Top Secret has Peter Cushing, that, it, oh, it has yeah. Omar oh, Sharif. The, the, I mean, that's <laughs> the, these these are kind of neck and neck. Yeah, I do love going back at like these those early '80s movies, and not like you know the the Caddyshacks, and the, I think that was earlier, but the Caddyshacks, the Ghostbusters, the, the like kind of legendary pieces from from that era. But like these type of movies, and like the money pit, which I watch on Netflix with, to an alarming degree with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, such a great movie. And like, it was just to go back and think that like, those were like the major movies. Those were like the big, the big budget summer movies that would be out there. Summer school with Mark, uh, Mark Harmon. And I think Christy Alley was in that as well. Just kind of going back and, th- and, and it is funny to kind of see those are so of a time and so of a place. And, um, I just love that 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 early '80s comic aesthetic uh, to to these movies, and of course, Ferris Bueller turning 30 years old this weekend. Um, I always thought Ferris Bueller was kind of overrated. I, I, I know that's, 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 that's this, this podcast is over. I figured that that would that would cause a rift between us, <laughs> but uh, that just never really never really took with me. It was fine. It was fine. It was just like it's it's okay. But it just, it just never quite. I think maybe it's Matthew Broderick. Like of of all the huh? actors that came out of the '80s, Matthew Broderick might be the one that like clicked with me the least. There's one, like a total of one movie that I liked him in, and War that Games? was. I didn't even think he was that good in War Games. Okay, honestly. I was just going subject material. I figured it with you had a fight. No, actually, it was the the, the freshman. I don't know if you ever saw Very that. good movie. So, <laughs> here's to you, Miss Komodo Dragon. So um, I mean, War, I love War Games as a movie, but uh but it's it's uh it's it's definitely a young Matthew Broderick playing a young guy. It's kind yes. of like it's like if you've ever seen The Explorers? No. You've never seen The Explorers. I've never seen The Explorers. Uh, an adolescent Ethan Hawke and an adolescent River Phoenix in the same movie. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a thing. Yeah, they they build a spaceship and go to outer space. It's the it's it's it was a very eighties sort of movie. You should oh. you should that should be your homework for the for the night is to go go watch that on Netflix or something. All right, I'm looking at the cat right now. Yep, Ethan Hawke, River Phoenix. Who else? Um, and a bunch of people I've never heard of. So yeah, okay, a bunch of eighties people. Bunch of eighties people. So moving back to uh to uh some we've got two other topics from from uh, listeners that are pretty good. And then if we have time, we can t- tackle the, uh, the one I suggested. But uh, soon to be, Dr. Shannon McCarthy r- writes in her topic, Barbies. I have strong opinions. Can you, can you like, elaborate a little bit? Like, wh- what about Barbies? I, uh, I, um, uh, I, 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 from what sh- uh, Shannon wrote, no, it literally just says Barbies. Um, I, here's something interesting, a couple interesting things. So 
we both have daughters. Mine is older than yours, obviously. And so mine, we, my, mine really loves Eeyore right now. Eeyore. Oh, okay. Eeyore. Um, I would not have, I, I would have figured a, a, your kid would be a Tigger kid. I, I was never a Tigger guy myself. Right. I was, I was preferred. I liked Eeyore and I liked, uh, the, the kangaroos, uh, you know, and, and I liked, uh, and I, I always felt Tigger was kind of annoying. So All right, yes, with you, just just yeah. a little bit like not not my thing. Anyway, all right, yeah. Well, no, we have I have a special place in my heart for uh, Rue. My daughter just played Rue in a uh, in a stage version of Winnie the Pooh. Um, so anyway, Barbies. Um, we are a Barbie free household. My wife has very very strong opinions about having Barbie, um, and it's a little weird because we have um, for the longest time. My daughter was very much a Disney princess girl. Um, and, but the, the way, the way we kind of, and you know, so much of parenting is kind of talking yourself out of, you know, in, 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 into saying why one thing is okay and why one thing is not, is that a, she liked the princesses. She was like about three or four when she was really into all the princesses and she was much more into them as like characters than like role models, if that makes sense. Yep. So, um, and so like she has all the dolls, but she was never like, you know, kind of obsessed with how they look. They were just characters that she loved. Um, whereas, of course, Barbie is so much um, so much predicated on looks, so much predicated on, on physical appearance. And then, so then, recently, in the past year, they come out, Barbie announces this new line of, um, I'm actually on Barbie.com for the first time in my <laughs> Um, and they're called fashionistas dolls. And so like they're, they're like expanding the scope of Barbie beyond like the traditional look. And like um, they have new lines, and so they have um, you know they're they're trying to change the look of Barbie, so it's not just the the kind of statuesque figure, the un- kind of unrealistic body image that it portrays, trying to bring it to more realistic. And so you have you know di- you know uh, uh, short, tall, different kind of different size, different size Barbies, kind of like you know a Barbie for or for all girls, and we were. All right, we're kind of excited about this. We can bring this, you know, be okay with this. And we go to the store. the 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 like larger size Barbie is they're literally called curvy Barbies. And and, and my wife was really up, bothered by this, and I was too because like why why can't you just call them Barbie? Why do you have to kind of start labeling them like this is the original? This is Barbie. This is curvy Barbie. And of course, everybody, even a kid's going to know what curvy means. And it just, you know, it was, it was like, like this opportunity to have some goodwill to kind of move the, the, the brand into kind of like a 21st century idea and kind of embracing multiculturalism, embracing kind of a feminine, you know, as much feminism as Barbie can bring in. And, and, and I just feel like they blew it. The other Barbie point I can make is, um, did you know that Barbie and the Girl Scouts are like intertwined now? I did not know that. Um, you, you you probably wouldn't. I, I don't know how many. You know, aside from your hatred of Girl Scout cookies, you don't probably cross paths with them too much. But um, I just think they're overrated. I don't hate them. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead, please. I'm trying to get some bring back the hate mail from season one. But um, <laughs> so um, my daughter uh, finishing up kindergarten, and a couple of her friends are in Girl Scouts, and she you know wants to join Girl Scouts. So we were thinking about either joining an existing troop or starting our own troop. And you go on GirlScouts.com, and the brownies is the lowest level of Girl Scouts, so it's connected all the way through. And they all have a corporate partnership with Barbie. So, like, all of, like, the, 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 the scouting tools and, like, the, the, the things that the girls would use at meetings are Barbie, brand, branded Barbie, and, like, related to Barbie. And, like, for one thing, like, like, I get it from a branding strategic point of view for probably both, but especially for Barbie. But, like... How antithetical to be like, you know, we're going to join the Girl Scouts and here, basically it turns into a Barbie playset. It's just, it, 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 it's, it, it's amazing. You know, obviously I had never thought about Barbies before having a daughter. You've probably never even talked about Barbies until really now. Um, but kind of once, well, you know, you know, once you, you kind of join, you know, once you're once you start seeing this world you, you it's kind of amazing how kind of ubiquitous it is and if you you know you know and and, and i guess whatever you don't want you know whatever kind of part of mass culture larger lar- larger mass pop culture that you don't want 
your kid involved in and whatever it is for whatever reason, whether it's Barbie, whether it's music, you know, a certain type of music, whether it's TV, you know, whatever, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, but it, 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 it's funny to see, interesting to see how hard it can be to get away from certain aspects of pop culture, especially, and, and, and especially it gets complicated when, when kids are involved because all it takes is one friend in, in, in school who's involved with it. And then all of a sudden do you, you know, it, it's that weird balancing act you have as a parent of, you know, you have kind of your own values and our values as a family that we're trying to uphold and trying to live with versus we don't want the kid to be a complete social outcast because of something we think complicated stuff. So it is complicated. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I, uh, I think I don't I don't have many thoughts on Barbie one way or the other. Um uh, I don't have I mean that'll likely change as time goes by, but I would say that from the standpoint of uh participating or not participating in Barbies from a parental perspective. Um you know, I I do think you can forestall those things to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um like but there's a lot of things I think fit into that category. You know, I mean I, I let me take something that's not Barbie, but I'll use Barbie as an example. Um, okay. You know, we talk a lot about like bar- the images that Barbie dolls portray, and, and I, I have, I am not personally convinced that there is as dramatic an effect that that, that results in exposure to Barbies as as perhaps is portrayed sometimes there can be mm-hmm. but but i i I'm, I'm not convinced that that's like a uniform thing uh maybe that that position could certainly change as time goes by but there's a lot of things that i think about with my daughter it's like what am i going to like choose to expose her to and not mm-hmm. you know it's like sports is one of those things um you know I, uh, it's funny because we both study elements of sports portrayal of sports media related elements related to sports and yet um as much as I've studied that and as, as close as I've been to the games in the past, it's like, I don't, I, I've told my wife this many times. It's like, I'd almost prefer she like went into music. Like yes. I'd, ra- I'd rather she played piano than like mm-hmm. volleyball. Um, and that's a tricky thing because you don't necessarily want to be, you don't you don't want to cut opportunities off for your kid or you don't want to not expose them to things that might enrich right. their lives. But, but by the same token, it's like every choice has a mindset that attaches to it in some way, shape or form. Uh, I think some are minor and some are major. I think with Barbies, it's, it can be a little bit more individualized and it kind of depends on the, 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 the individual child, daughter, you know, uh, girls or, or, or son. Let's not be completely gender normative in our talk. No, here. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go out and just say Barbies are generally going to be bought for girls. Okay, That's fair. I mean, I, you may be right. I just, that if that, if that's a, like so, my you know, I mean, maybe things have changed, but um, from the standpoint of, are there parents who buy Barbies for boys? I'm sure there are. Yes. Um, it's that's an interesting choice as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of brings my point up, which is like, um, we're pretty gender neutral with the way that we do the parenting. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny how many times we go out and and uh, and people think we have a, a boy. Child. Oh, nice. Uh, like you know, uh, my daughter gets identified as he all the time. Oh, he's mm. so cute, or you know, uh, and that's a lot of time because we don't really we don't dress her in pink, and we don't uh, we don't dress her in uh, traditionally female clothing. Uh, the toys that she has at home are you know pretty gender neutral, so on and so forth. When I you know, so like when I grew up, I grew up in a two child household. It was me and then my sister who was twenty months younger than me, and. Mm-hmm. Even though she got girl toys and I got boy toys and she was in dance and I was, well, I should have been in sports but wasn't because I was an uncoordinated clod. And, <laughs> and you know, and, and she had Barbie dolls and I would come in and play Barbies with her, you know, and, and My Little Pony, um, right. like things like that. Um, some of those things have kind of crossed into a kind of a gender neutrality area. And, you know, and that's, I guess that's that's just kind of how we've we've started looking at things. But... Um, it's it's an interesting choice because to some degree I feel like there's from certain elements of culture 
this is a really deep podcast and and mm-hmm. uh you know like we've, we've hit on some some rather heavy topics here but i feel like there's almost pressure to like not instill gendered elements into your child's upbringing like mm-hmm. you know if you're like if you're 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 being too traditional with the way that you're instilling gender in your child like that's that's a, that you're not giving them the right to choose how they want to to navigate the gendered space and i feel you know it's right. like to some degree you know i feel like we especially as as social scientists like some like the the theory and the theoretical elements behind perception versus the the practical applications therein mm-hmm. can be can be difficult to navigate and it's like when you read a lot about this stuff and when you when you constantly hear from people who have strong opinions on it uh it's easy to forget that sometimes by being like overly neutral in the approach and the parenting process, you can create issues with normality for mm-hmm. the child. Like you said, you know, like, and this is, this is kind of the Barbie thing, I guess, coming back around again. It's like, where, where does that, where do those issues come from? Um, you know, are, there are certainly legitimate criticisms of Barbie dolls, but a lot of that presupposes a very adult conceptualization of this is a, this is a good thing or this is a bad thing right. based upon, you know, versus the, 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 you know, the, the kids playing with it because they like the toy. Right. And could you replace that toy with another toy? Probably. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, th- this parenting is very complicated. And I think, <laughs> and I think, but, but, I, but, but then I wonder if it's really complicated or if it's simply something we make infinitely more complicated because uh, the weight of, of the the assumed societal expectations ends up like being being an anchor on almost every decision making process that you go through as far mm-hmm. as what you purchase what you expose to what like how how there's what the interactions are with that and and how it relates to the society as a whole it's like i i don't know I don't know. And maybe it could very well be something that we need to be paying attention to, but I don't know that we know that. I think a right. lot of people, a lot of, by a lot of people, I mean a small number of people with very loud voices think that. Right. But I don't know that we know that necessarily. And so that, that, create, that can create a lot of uncertainty, at least in my mind. Yeah. I mean, parenting is, it can be complicated. I also tend to think it can be really easy um, when you try to. When you, when you start realizing that nobody really knows what they're talking about, and so you just do the best you can every day for your kid, um, you know, it, it, it can be really easy. And like you said, we're, we're, we're social scientists. So we, we, we you know, I, I remember my daughter was about, oh, just about to turn three. I think she was two and a half, three when I was studying for my qualifying exams. And so part of that, you know, you're reading all this theory about communication research. And so you're reading about, TV, you know, TV exposure to violence and exposure to TV as a kid, you know, and, and you know, you read that as a young parent, you know, when you have a young kid and you're like, I'm, that's it, no more TV. We only Sesame Street, only like 20 minutes a day, no screen time before two, da 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 da. And then she wakes up at 5 30 in the morning and you're tired and you're like, okay, octonauts, boom. Um, uh, and it, 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 it can be really easy to overthink it. Like, I can get, I can get inside my own head as a parent. Like, does she like, you know, my kid's not into sports at all. Like, not at all. She's a theater kid. And, you know, it can be, it can can get inside my head. You know, she's a music and theater kid. You know, does she like going to the the Avett Brothers concerts? Does she like doing these plays because she likes them? Does she like them because she sees how excited I, mom and dad get when I'm doing these things? And like, oh, this, saying i like this song makes mom and dad happy so i'm gonna say that and it can be really easy to get in inside your own head but at some point it just helps to uh take a step back and see like okay she's having fun in the moment that's that's all i can ask for in life so yeah that's the thing i mean let me let me let me take a weird detour on this it's like date or it's not like dating it's like dieting okay because those things are very similar dating and dieting. (laughs) dating and dieting um so you can read a lot of, of medical advice on dieting and like what you, food you should eat and how you should eat it and when you should eat it and what you should do for exercise and all of these things. I've gone through this myself. I mean, I lost, I lost about 50 pounds two and a half, three years ago. It's, 
I've gained about 15 of it back. But regardless, like... Good for you. The, well... The, 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 good, re- the, the losing way, not the game. The, 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 right. But so here's the thing. Um, the reason I lost that much weight wasn't because I followed a diet plan or it wasn't because necessarily I read a bunch of stuff. It was because I started paying attention to my own body and my own my own food needs mm-hmm. and, and what worked and what didn't. And I, and I went from there and I feel like, um, with, with people's kids, because, because I, I think people know a lot more than they do, but the society has, it, it's funny. This is like, this has been a thread that's run through a lot of what we've talked about tonight. Even if we had, haven't explicitly talked about it. Society really pushes this idea that nobody knows anything. Right. That I'm just as dumb as the next person, and I don't really know anything about what I'm doing, and we're all just kind of making educated guesses, and we're all the same. We're all mm-hmm. like on the same plane of like ignorance, and if we do something right, it's because we lucked into it. It's not because we really know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I, I totally buy that, because I think it is possible to know through observation and experience – what works for you dieting wise. And I think it's the same thing with parenting, you know? Yeah. yeah, The, the, the TV violence thing, you know, I think about that a lot, you know, and I, and I, I've on the macro level, I've come around to thinking, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot, there's too much violence, like gratuitous violence on television. Like there doesn't need to be there. But then I think, you know, I watched a shitload of violence on television when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I was never a danger to do anything violent to anybody. Like I, 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 I've never really been in a fight before. I, I don't, you know, I don't go to the shooting range every week because it, you know, I mean, like the, it's, it's a very individualized thing Mm -hmm. and, and I think the problem that a lot of people fall into with, with that or with the toys that they buy their kids or with the music that they expose them to or, or the hobbies they put them in is that they they keep looking to the experts, the people with voices in the media who will tell them this is what you need to be doing for your kid or this is what you shouldn't be doing with your kid because this will be damaging mm-hmm. rather than, okay, I know my kid well enough to think, okay, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm doing here right. and, and, and going with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like people that, that really strike out on their own um, and, and kind of go with their gut based upon what they think they know and, are, and speak about it, it's like they are often – um, denigrated to some degree, like we don't know what you're doing, and look, look, the science says this, right. and you know, and so forth. And it's like, well, any any science can point in a generalized direction, but as you know, science is made up of a million data points, mm-hmm. and each of those data points tells a different story. Right. Yeah, it, it, it kind of get you can kind of get the well. How are you not worried about this? And you know, I, I, I'm very proud to say, and, and proud's a, a weird word to use about this. I have actually never looked up. My daughter's going to be six in October. I've never looked up anything about her health on the internet. That's good because I know better. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. we've we've done that. I remember when when my daughter like the first three three months of her life. Um, you know, like things would happen, and we, you know, we'd look them up on the internet, and then we'd be like, "Oh, she's gonna die, isn't she?" Right. Uh, right. And we exactly right. we stopped doing that, and it's like, okay, this is a much better existence right. now. Right. My, my wife is the uh, is the official Googler of of health related stuff with our daughter, and my wife is very sane about it. She triangulates like if she can find the inf- the same thing in three different spots, then she trusts it and, and does that. Um. But yeah, it's it's it, 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 you know you know parenting it, it, it's both really hard and, and and really easy. Like you know, if you pay attention and know your kid, and and and, and kind of you know, you know, I always tell you know any friends of mine who are having a kid for the first time, you know, you know, trust yourself. You're gonna know your kid better than than, than anybody else. You you got don't people have been trained in this exactly. in this generation yeah. in this particular generation. People have been trained to not trust themselves. And yes. that to me that to me is the biggest problem here. So like the Barbie thing, going back to that, if you trust yourself to be able to explain the context mm-hmm. and to know your kid well enough to understand how they're going to react, mm-hmm. you, okay, fine. And you know what? Look, if you screw up, everybody screws up. I mean, I'm yes. sure that there's 10 yes. things my parents did right. that, that they regret. And they're like, wow, we really, we really should have done better than we did on I, that. I screwed up about five times today, so we're right. good. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, and that's that's not that big of a deal. But 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 trusting yourself is such an integral part of life. And it's like mm-hmm. in 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 many walks of life, 
trusting yourself, at least in American society, is considered to be a bad thing. It's like right. you're not relying on what the group says. And, and it's just to me, it's a very corrosive and damaging way to go through life. Yeah, it's, it, that's, that's an interesting topic to think about, the idea of, uh, of trusting yourself and, and, um, and, and kind of why that, especially I think you're right, I think that is generational, you know, kind of speaking as our generation – you know, that's kind of, you know, I wonder, you know, we should get to our last topic here in a second, but uh, I wonder in a weird way, you know, again, this is not going to be a blaming technology, blaming phone thing, but I wonder if the access we have to information via laptops, via phones, via Google, via WebMD, all these, these sources kind of in a way, I'm getting sure turkle on you and I'm sorry about that, but I wonder if they, they, I hate that. I know, I know, I realize that, um, <laughs> But I wonder if, if that's a part of the erosion of self-trust is because you can you, – you don't you, – you, you, I can rely on my gut – on my kind of instinct when I'm dealing with my kid or I can jump on the phone and Google it and find mommy blogs that are telling me why I'm wrong. Okay. So, okay, the last thing you said brought up the point I wanted to make. It's not the access to information that's the problem. Okay. It's the access to other people's opinions that's there the you go. There you go. It's it's and, and that's I think the big like people confuse opinions for information all the time. Right. Because because we don't we I say we I, societal we societal we does has not been effectively de- like given the 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 delineation between one and the other. Mm-hmm. And you know I mean that I guess that shouldn't be surprising, but it's disappointing because it creates. An environment, you know, it's like, so the cultural warriors on both sides of the political divide, there's, there's certain elements they like to hammer on. And, you know, one of the big areas is like this kind of, this kind of sort of individualism versus collectivism. Right. And within parenting, everybody tends to grasp on that conceptualization that we don't really know. Um, you know, because we've been told that we don't know. And there's like, you know, there's, there's a cult of expertism Mm -hmm. that exists now in media where it's like, these are, this is the group of people that really knows what's going on. Or even in sports, it's like, these are the people that are really the best in music. These are the people that are really the geniuses. And like, you know, all of you proles that don't reach that level need to be listening to what these people say. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like it's very, it's, it's sometimes those people have good ideas, but it's very individualized. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so what we end up with is this situation, unfortunately, where, you know, people make mistakes, they make the wrong decisions uh, or they make decisions that are way too generalized for their particular situation because they have not had within, they've not had installed within them or instilled within them the confidence to make their own decision-making process, like like your cat there, right? Hey, dude. Um, yeah. Uh, fi- see, the good thing about being on the upper uh, on the upper level of the house today is we get the animals around. So that is, I love animals. I yes. Really do. So, um, so excellent. I think I feel like we could have a, a multi-episode arc uh, on this stuff, but we should be getting wrapping up because we're getting close to an hour, and uh, we have one final question from my very good friend. And we get everything. Get the question called up here. It's, um, where did it go? There it is. All right, my friend uh, Hannah Weems. Who uh, this is? This is a free plug. If she wants to advertise on the flip side, she's welcome to. Um, but she runs uh, on hand lotions. She makes organic, homemade bug spray lotions, uh, sun sunscreen, uh, that stuff. It is hands down. She's not paying me to say this. She doesn't even know I'm saying this. Some of the best stuff. That her bug spray is magic. It is the best bug spray. I've ever had so highly, highly recommended. I'll put a link in the show notes to her stuff. That 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 that's a freebie. She didn't she didn't ask me to do that. But anyway, <laughs> her topic and this is a good one to end on. I think favorite candy from childhood. Oh brother. Um, hmm. Well, <laughs> um, that's tough. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that question earlier, and I was like, oh, that's a good question. I got to think about that, and I didn't actually get around to thinking about it. <laughs> um, you know. It's funny. I would, the, the first one that comes to mind is Junior Mints. Really? Uh, which seems yeah. like a weird one, but That's I, a I very always, weird one. For I always yeah. I always liked the taste of Junior Mints. Um, they 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 just they had they had such a a pleasant mix of chocolate and mint to them. Because uh, because you know I mean anybody who eats candy, I've tried to stop eating candy and and sugar in general here lately. But anybody who eats candy knows. 
that all candies are not created equal. Like, like my adult, my adult favorite candy has, has always been the, the toffee, uh, and nut symphony bars, mm-hmm. which okay. they're made by Hershey. Mm-hmm. And you would think they would taste like a Hershey bar, but the chocolate, right. it, for whatever reason, the mix that they that they have with those is just so much better okay. than like a regular Hershey bar, and, and frankly, even better than some of the expensive chocolates that you can buy. Um, like I, I love, I've always loved that flavor. Uh, but you know, from childhood, like Junior Mints always stood out to me, because um, you know, after a while, I think most of most of childhood candy, to some degree, kind of blends together in in a in a. It all kind of tastes the same. It's almost yeah. like I feel like most most of the marketing of childhood candy, like modern childhood candy, focused on, ooh, let's put shiny like shiny packaging and colors on this, rather yeah. than hey, let's make something that tastes good, right? Because there was so much childhood candy that just kind of tasted like crap and wasn't really exciting, wasn't really fulfilling, was just was obviously some kind of crass cash in attempt by by you know whoever the manufacturer was right to to take advantage of of a commercial that they bought during like teenage mutant ninja turtles on saturday morning absolutely junior mints that's a weird one so i have a couple answers on this one i think my the the first one i came up with was actually tootsie pop hmm. i hated tootsie pops i always All thought right. they were tremendously overrated but anyway right. well, I, I well wanna... anyway and, and that's more of a sentimental pick than an actual loving pick the barber, um, my dad and I used to go to to get my hair cut. He would give me a Tootsie Pop after every one, gotcha. after every haircut. So it's a very, very, very sentimental pick. But related, I'm also a, I was also a big fan of the Blow Pops. Um, hmm. I, I was never. It was funny as I was as I was coming up with my list of this. Um, no chocolate on my on my kids list. You, you very, and my wife would get along well. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm more of a chocolate guy now. And it's funny you mentioned the Hershey bar. I think Hershey bar is probably one of my favorite adult candies. Just because I like it, it's a simple, it's inexpensive, very simple, very, simple, yes. very good. Um, uh, um, when you were talking, I, I, I had thought of Pixie Sticks, which um, are basically just – they are. They're concentrated sugar. Oh, yeah. With like a little – maybe a little flavor thrown in so you think you taste cherry. But it's just – you're basically just pouring a straw full of cane sugar down your mouth, and it's awesome. Right. Um, and the other one, and this is you, you were a sports guy, so you'll, you'll, you'll remember the glories of Big League Chew. <laughs> Big League Chew, invented by uh, Jim Button, and uh, not that good, really. Oh, uh, terrible. Terrible. It, it, not, not good at all. And of, uh, course, and of course, let's promote chewing tobacco by making gum that looks and acts like chewing tobacco. Is it really? Not okay. And, and I always, okay, now here's the thing. I, I have to say, I, 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 I've eaten that stuff before. Mm-hmm. Big League Chew. I never ate it and think, "Wow, I I need to go get some chewing tobacco." No, so I'll be no, cool. no. I I think it's just the it, it's kind of like you remember candy cigarettes. I, I was going to mention candy cigarettes. Yeah, it, I, was afraid, it, I was afraid I'd get kicked off the podcast. No, 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 no. I, I, I feel like it's not it, by you, by the iTunes censors. Uh, oh, so okay. I feel like it, it, it's just a similar thing where, like, no, you don't have Big League. There's not the correlation where you hit Big League Chew and you go right out and buy some school. But you know, it's like the like let okay, kids really can't have dip. But what can we give them that makes them feel like they're having dip? I know gum, and we're gonna make the gum shredded like tobacco, and we're gonna put it in a pouch so it looks like the old pouch. I mean, this is you I know mean, when again, you, when you put to, it when you put it like that, it does sound pretty bad. I agree. Right. Well, it, it, it's one of those things where like it's harmless when you look back on it, and we had it when we played little league again, the the the, the association. But when you step back and think about it as a growing up, you're like. What in God? And, and they still sell it. Like it's still, they they have it at Old Navy in the uh, in the checkout no, uh, aisle. It's really random that they have at, at our Old Navy. They have Big League Chew right near like the one bars or whatever. So um, I don't know, going you know, going for retro appeal, I assume. Um, I'm looking at this. Uh, Wikipedia's got a very nice list of like Western candies, and it's right. it's giving me some ideas. Um, I have to say, like nothing that Necco put out. Oh no! Uh, would ever be considered good candy? Whether it was like the wafers, no, nope. the 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 Necco wafers or like the squirrel nut caramels that they had, Urgh. those things were really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, I always thought Kit Kats, from a flavor perspective, were really overrated. Like the I'm a Kit Kat fan myself. I mean, the the crunch is satisfying, no yeah. question. But I always felt the chocolate that surrounded the Kit Kats was 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 really like subpar. Like it didn't have a lot of flavor to okay. it. Um, you know, conversely, 
like I've Reese's peanut butter cups always gold standard. Always, Absolutely. Like, certainly like, uh, you know, in the, on the Mount Rushmore right. of candy. Um, but you know, the more I look at these, the more I realize, you know what? I, I, I thought of what my, my alternate to junior mints, and it's actually might, now that I think about it, it might've eclipsed junior mints. If I'd put more thought into this, which I should have, I'm, okay. I'm a bad podcaster, <laughs> but Rolos. Oh yes. We're always an excellent, excellent choice as a right. kid. Right. Um, you know, but, but man, a lot of the candies are just, you look back at them and it's like, you know, this was just, it was sugar and our parents bought it because they thought it would be good for like, like, okay, you want, he, it's a kid. It wants sugar. Right. Um, but man, a lot of these just don't resonate anymore. Well, Rolos has the advantage of being kind of like, it, it Starburst is in the similar category is that for the same price as a, as a Hershey bar or a Snickers, you get multi, so many more actual pieces of candy like a snickers bar is one thing a rollo you used to get like i don't know how forget how many you used to get in there but let's say you got eight or ten rollos in a thing like hey that's that 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 you know uh, you know that that feels so much more substantial yeah um it, it's you know lifesavers what are your thoughts on lifesavers neutral i mean i like i i haven't had them in a long time i was more always more of a flavored lifesaver guy than like the 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 wintergreen where you try to get the spark in the dark or whatever I, I was always a more flavor guy but I was never a never a huge fan I remember a girl showed me the spark in the dark thing once when I was in like fifth grade and is that a like... euphemism <laughs> no I wish it was certainly not a euphemism like literally it was like hey if you bite into this it'll like go it'll go boop you know um, the last one I want to mention and I feel like these things were like an outsized part of childhood and they had no real right to be. Huh? But Pez dispensers and oh, Pez God, candy, yeah. absolutely. Like, like I, I, I never got the thing. Pez candy was like the most overrated thing in the world. Like Pe- Pez candy is to candy to like the 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 gum and the tops baseball cards or like Bazooka Joe. Like it, it's bottom. Bazooka Joe's really bad. Bazooka so what's that? That's really what we should be asking. Like, what is the worst candy? The, what's wor- really, what, the worst what, childhood candy? Uh, uh, you know, well, you, you already mentioned Necco wafers because those my, are. That's, my wife that's, is my wife is mouthing Pez at me. Pez, uh, yeah. yeah, she she really yeah she feels like that's the answer. But anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, I feel like well, it, it's really interesting because like like Pez are bad, but did you think Pez were bad when you were a kid, or did you yes. think they were cool? Okay. Because, I, I just, I just thought it was like this is pointless. Like, there's so many better candies than this. Why, why is this? Why does this have its own dispenser? Like, why don't candy canes have their own dispenser? They're significantly <laughs> better than Pez. That's a good point. I'd like to see a Pez dispenser that shoots out little candy canes. Oh, that's what they should do. Really, that'd be a great Christmas. Then it, but thing. it wouldn't like, be Pez then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and there's such a little cult around Pez and Pez dispensers and collecting them. It's and I don't. I know, distrust that. It's like I, I distrust anything bad that has a cult around it it's like people that really love like you know the phantom menace like i don't trust those people is matt I mean, so so is matt zimmerman one of those people or does he just do that to, to to is that another meta thing he does where he likes tries to stir stuff up on facebook i think you should ask him i'm not i don't okay. want to speak for him okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but, but but it's a sign of pez to spend uh, of, of the quality the the lack of quality in pez is that you know, you, you you have to have you have the, the little dispensers, and the cult is around collecting the dispensers. Nobody, not about the, it's not about the wants, candy. It really is the equivalent of like the gum stick that used to be in the baseball cards. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know. It's like it's a really it's a really bad candy, and yeah. it's like, and to some degree, it's like if the if the would the would the candy even exist if the dispensers didn't exist? No, no chance. Probably not. No, no I can't imagine. So. So, so really, what we need to do is we need to find the worst candy for kids, and I think I have an answer for mine at least. Pez? We ne- no, it's not Pez. Actually, okay. I think there's something worse than Pez, and it's butterscotch drops. Oh, those yeah. those yellow Brock's yeah. butterscotch drops. All right, those things tasted 
so terrible. Oh, my wife loves those apparently, but but right. uh, no, no. I just I just felt I was like, that just hit the palate the wrong way. Yeah, I oh, feel like Werther's are, is in that category. Yeah, Werther, Werther's originals are in that category, and that's even worse because they've got that they had that whole commercial thing with the old man. Yes, like, and then now like, I'm the grandfather. It's like shut up, like really. No, that, don't, uh, guilt, <laughs> don't guilt me into buying your terrible candy. It's don't not don't don't work. push your grandkid down the road to diabetes. <laughs> you know, I mean seriously. Uh, so not. So now that we've killed off that kid's grandson, I think that's a that's a good place to call it for the week. I would agree. Uh, as always, a pleasure. Any any final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, I think we uh, I, I think we covered it all. Show notes for this episode. You can and uh, subscription links are at sportsmediaguy.com. Click on the flip side tab. Brian, good chatting with you. As Folks, always, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side next week. Later, bye. Bye.